So what Houston Rockets rookie guard Jalen Green said that Detroit wouldn't have been the city for him as far as living-wise. So what? I mean, think about it. He did say that if he lived in Detroit, he would probably pretty much just be in the gym all day. What's wrong with that? Is that not what we want from our um, players that we support? All right. Um, listen, I've never been to Detroit, but guess what? I have some very good friends out there in Detroit. And the thing about it is this. Um, the weather in Houston is different than the weather in Detroit. Okay. Now, I hear some people knocking the city of Detroit talking about, oh, it's just eight mile and all this stuff. And they're talking about Detroit is a poor city. I, I'm in no place to call Detroit a poor city. You know why? Because I never lived there. Okay. But what I do know about every city in the, in the world, you have your blue collar places. You have your, you have your lower income um, neighborhoods. You have your higher income neighborhoods. From my understanding, every city has that. So I'm not going to just hate and knock Detroit. Okay. But um, I think that um, living in Houston and Detroit, it is different. Number one, the heat. You know, the humidity in Houston is ridiculous, people. And I don't have to live in Detroit to recognize that. You feel what I'm saying? I do not have to live in Detroit to recognize that. So, but you know, um, I think with Jalen Green, here's the thing. You know, he did say, and he, and here's why you can't put too much stock in what the young man said right there. Because, you know what? A couple weeks ago, before the draft, he said he would like to live in Detroit. Okay? So, here's the thing. The, the, the Pistons, they did not pick him as the number one draft pick. All right? They picked Cade Cunningham. Nothing wrong with that if you're Detroit. Good luck. All right? But the Houston Rockets, they got Jalen Green. So what? Does Jalen Green still supposed to say as he a, while, while he's a Houston Rocket that, you know what? Yeah, I still would love to live in Detroit. I sure wish the Detroit Pistons would have picked me. No. Why would he say that? Even if that's the way he truly feels, there's no reason to even say that. Okay? But, um, you know, and if you ask Cade Cunningham, I'm pretty sure Cade Cunningham is happy living in Detroit, okay, and maybe, and you know what, who knows, maybe that might have been part of the reason why the Detroit Pistons picked Cade Cunningham at number one, because here's the thing, you don't want to be caught in a situation where it's like how Steve Francis was when he got drafted by the Grizzlies, they were the Vancouver Grizzlies at the time, he didn't want to live there, or Stephen Stephen Marbury, Stephon Marbury, he didn't want to be in Minnesota, that's why he left after, after two years, so when you're drafting somebody, especially that high, you want to make sure that that person wants to be there in that community, in that city. Okay. You know, so, and it's one of those things you don't want it to be a situation where that's going to potentially interrupt team chemistry. But, um, you know, I'm not on here to say that Detroit's better than Houston. Houston's better than Detroit. But, um, you know, it's just one of those things people, you know, hey, man, he, he's, he's young. He's 19 years old. You know, when I was 19, they didn't have anything called social media. And nobody, and I wasn't famous enough for people to be asking me those kind of questions. And who knows what I might have, who knows what I would have said, you know. So, but it is what it is, people. But I tell you what, whether if you like or dislike what Jalen Green said, guess what, people? Still, Rockets in six. Houston Rockets, 2023 NBA champions, Okay. So it doesn't matter if you think that Jalen Green is a terrible human being for saying what he said about the Pistons of Detroit or the whole city of Detroit. 
it doesn't matter if Jalen Green says that he wants to buy Cadillacs for everybody who lives in Detroit. It doesn't matter if Jalen Green says that Houston is the best city that he's ever played in, that he's ever lived in. It doesn't matter. Because guess what? When it all boils down to it, guess what? Rockets and six, 2023 NBA champions. Okay? Remember, I said it today, August 16th, 2021, 7.14 p.m. I said it. Okay? Share your thoughts down below in the... um in the comment section in the review section and let me know what you think about what Jalen Green said are you okay with it did you feel like it was disrespectful if you're from Detroit hey are you upset about what Jalen Green said all right and if you're upset about what he said today were you happy with what he said a couple weeks ago about living in Detroit I would like to know share your thoughts through another game let's go to the next segment how about those Houston Texans people how about those Texans I know it's just preseason. It's just preseason. You know, I, I'm glad that preseason football is underway. You know, where they just completed week one. But you know, I I don't get too hyped up about preseason games. Well, when I watch preseason games, I I pay attention to. I try my best to pay attention to certain players. You know, to see how they're moving and stuff like that. And a lot of times, you can tell like, okay, this player. Okay, if he does this, what he did in the preseason, if he can do a little bit of that in regular season, okay, well we can. Pro he's projected to be this. He's projected to be a good slot receiver, or he's projected. He's projected to be a good pass rusher, a situational pass rusher, right? But um, outside of that, man, I, I don't really, I don't get too hyped up on preseason. I don't get too high. I don't get too low. I like to stay even keeled on it. All right, Texans won twenty six seven. You know, people are saying, yeah, Coach Cully got his first victory as a coach. Did he, though? That doesn't count. Like, like seriously. So are we going to say, like, and no matter how successful Coach David Cully is, and I wish the man all the success in the world, but are we really going to say his first game that he ever won as a head coach is a preseason game against the Green Bay Packers? Are we going to just say, oh, he beat Aaron Rodgers in a preseason game? You know, like. When Aaron Rodgers is out there, like if this was Madden, Rodgers is out there with his level. You know, he's out there playing in rookie mode right now because it's the preseason. All right? So are we going to say that? So that's what I'm saying. You can't say that because let's say if the Houston Texans go 0-16 in the regular season, right? And then you know what people are going to say? Shame. He could never win a game as the Houston Texans coach. And man never even got his first victory in year one. But here's the thing, people. No. You remember when y'all said that? The preseason game, game one, he won that? Yeah, so let's not do that, man. Let's not. That's what I'm saying. We don't need a hype train. You know what I'm saying? Like when when people believe in something or when when a, franchi a franchise is successful, there is no hype train. You don't like the only hype train you need is winning. You know, winning games that matter. The games that matters. Okay? You don't need all this extra publicity stuff, these pep rallies and all that, man, that's, that's fugazi, fugazi, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, that, it, that trips me out, man, it's like, you know, all that extra hype stuff is, that's for teams that, where, it's like, well, they're, clearly, they're winning, cannot do the talking, all right, you know, at least allow your winning to do the talking when you're building up the hype train, but I get it, that's part of promotions and marketing. Got to make money. I like money. Got to make that money, man. But I wish Dave Cully a lot of success. But I'm not going to. 
I my, my I don't have high high expectations for for Dave Cully as far as him being a head coach. This is his first year as a head coach, and with this Houston Texans team, you know it's a lot of uncertainties on this roster. But I do expect you know they're playing seventeen games now. I expect them to win at least six games. But see, I expect his first victory in the NFL to come in the regular season. I don't expect that to be, uh, um, what is it, uh, um, a preseason game. No, we're not going to start doing that, people. Because, see, here's the thing. Let's say Dave Cully goes 1-4 and four in the preseason, right? right? And the Texans are on week five. And the Texans, let's say they're 1-4. and four. So that means the Texans are, they'll be 2-9. and nine. They have a 2-7 two, two and seven record. And it's like, you know what? No, man, we're not counting these preseason games, bro. We don't count preseason games. It's, it's, it's a practice and a very important practice. But practice victories and practice losses, they don't count against your record. It may count morally, spiritually when you're playing it, but I'm talking about numerically. Okay? But let's not get too hype about that. If that's the case, man, I guess my Seattle Seahawks are not going to do a doggone thing. Right? Seahawks, man, they lost. Um, Seahawks, they lost to the Oakland Raiders 20 to seven. My dad is God rest his soul. He was an Oakland. He was a, a, a Los Angeles Raider, Oakland Raider. And if he was living today, he'll be a Las Vegas Raider fan. You know, they beat my Seahawks in, in Las Vegas. Good thing that what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Right. But, you know, um, you know, with that being said, you know, um, you know, like I say, it's preseason. And I don't expect the Seahawks, you know, teams like the Seahawks and most teams who consistently make the playoffs year after year, they use the preseason as an opportunity to get to get their young guys some playing time who they had, you know, they want to test them in certain situations. And they normally go out there, they run a base defense, vanilla offense. They're not running anything that's that they're going to use in the regular season. You know why? Because you don't want your opponent to have that kind of game film. You want to attack them, hit them with the element of surprise. Okay? But, um, yeah, yeah, people, once again. So it doesn't matter if your team won in the preseason, in week one. Hey, man, please, don't get too high off that. Say good game and that's it. And guess what? You know what you say if your team lost in the preseason? Good game. You just say good game. Don't get too low. Don't get too down on that, people. No, do not get too down on that. No matter what a lot of these national sports analysts may say about your team, if they lost in the preseason, like, for example, you got a lot of people saying Max Kellerman. I'm a huge fan of Max Kellerman. He says this year's quarterback class might be the best, one of the best ever in the last 20 something years or whatever. Like, are you serious? Play a regular season game first. Play a regular season game first. Then we can talk about that. You know, anyways, let's roll to the next topic. Man, did y'all see that Tim Tebow block? Man, people are lighting Tim Tebow up for that. I mean, and the thing about it is when you look at it, you know, the criticism, he deserves the criticism on it because it it did not look like a good block. Like the first one I saw, one could make an argument that, well, maybe Tim Tebow felt like old buddy was just so far out the way that he didn't need to really do a whole lot of damage on him. But the very next play, the very next play, guess what? Tim Tebow, a little light block. It's like, come on now. But um, 
check this out, people. That that's not why Tim Tebow is there. He's not there for his blocking. I don't think he's. Here's the thing. He's not the left tackle. He is the tight end. And let's not forget, there are, there have been a lot of good pass catching tight ends. And I'm not saying Tim Tebow is a good pass catching tight end. I don't know if he can pass catch. All right, but I do know that Tim Tebow in the red zone. That's where he's going to become more effective. I'm assuming. Because he's a big guy. He can move. Once he gets his momentum going, I know 10 years ago, you know, it's hard to stop him in the goal line. But, um, I, I mean, I, you know, I think he's going to get an opportunity to catch some passes and stuff. But, you know, this is his first. That's, that's what, see, this part right here, see, Tim, see, preseason is going to matter for Tim Tebow. Because he's been so far out the game for a while. You know, to the point where it's like, okay, we don't know what to expect from him. And plus, he was a quarterback. All right. But, um, you know, um, Tim Tebow, I mean, we'll see how this works. I mean, but I, I don't actually, I don't really plan. I don't really expect to see him out there playing the tight end position while Trevor Lawrence is in the game. At least not on any blocking plays. Yeah, I don't expect to see him in any blocking plays because that's going to get Trevor Lawrence hurt. All right? You don't want him out there for that. So if I'm the defense, most likely whenever Tim Tebow is in the game while Trevor Lawrence is his quarterback, it's about to be a run. It's about to be a run play because there's no way in hell you're going to have Tim Tebow um, going to trust him at protecting Trevor Lawrence. Now, I would say something. Now, I got a source who told me, you know, I forget the source. One of my friends told me, he said, you know what, man, it's quite possible that Tim Tebow probably <laughs> is probably missing those blocks so the quarterback can be sacked, and that gives him the opportunity to move up the depth chart. I'm not going to say who said that, but you know who you are who said that. But, um, hey, that could be true. We do not know. But, I w- but Tim Tebow didn- wouldn't dare do such a thing, right, people? But, man, you know... Coach Urban Meyer, I mean, you know, Tim Tebow, you know, if you're Urban Meyer, man, you know, here's the thing. I, I can't knock Urban Meyer for bringing in Tim Tebow because most coaches, they're going to bring in their guys. You take Tom Thibodeau. No no matter what, I tell you what, no matter how old Taj Gibson becomes, guess what? As long as Tom Thibodeau is coaching, Taj Gibson has a job. Okay? Taj Gibson has a job. All right, so you know you got certain coaches. You know they have their players that they that they that they're going to bring in, that they are going to bring in. You know, I remember um, the Houston Rockets um, when Jeff Van Gundy was the coach. He brought in Charles Oakley. He brought in Mark Jackson, and they was way past their prime, and no one was signing them. They wasn't way past their prime. They was way past their post prime. You know. But there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I'm not going to hate. I mean, who knows? I mean, here's how I, how, how I am able to deal with the Tim Tebow situation without being so hateful and knocking him on it. Here's the thing. If you was in Tim Tebow's shoes and Urban Meyer called and gave you opportunity, even though, hey, man, you know, this is your first time playing tight end, wouldn't you take it? You're going to turn your coach down and not take it? So that, exactly. That's what I'm saying, man. I mean, you know, I would I would take that in a heartbeat. Okay. You know, and if anything, whether if he makes the team or not, this add, this adds more publicity to his name. And guess what? Um, it's an extra paycheck. Keep getting them paychecks, people. Keep getting them checks. 
So I have no problem with that. Alright, so um, let's roll to the next segment. Okay, so the Los Angeles Lakers, they made a trade. They traded away Patrick Beverly, Rajon Rondo to the Memphis Grizzlies for Eric Bledsoe. Huh. Okay. Alright, I can dig that. I can dig that. I understand the logic for that trade. I understand it from the Clippers' perspective. A lot of people there are like so like down on this trade. You know, you know why they down on the trade? Because Eric Bledsoe can't shoot three pointers. He shot 18% from the three point line in Milwaukee. He he's not a three point shooter. Okay. He's not a three point shooter. And guess what? Shame on the Milwaukee Bucks for expecting him to be a three point shooter. That's not the strength in this young man's game. Okay. His strength is going to the basket, you know, shooting two-pointers. I'm not saying he has like the Chris Paul elbow jumper, but he shoots better from the elbow than he does from the three-point line, okay? He can also go to the basket, go to the hole. And guess what? He's a good defender, and he's and he's a lot younger. Well, he's not that much younger than Pat Bev, but he's younger than Rajon Rondo, okay? You know, so I think... You know, playing for Coach Tyloo, I think that's going to be, I think it's going to be good for Eric Bledsoe. He's going to use him the right way. And here's the thing, people, like, as much as I love Pat Bev, guess what, man? Pat Bev, man, Pat Bev, outside of him knocking down the three-point shot, like, Pat Bev, he has some nice moves to the moves to the basket, but a lot of times he just don't finish them. Just don't finish them, man. I'll be rooting for Pat Bev, too, man. He'll, he'll come and hit you with a spin move, boom, boom, go in with the layup, finger roll, and bam, you know? But I think Pat Bell, if Pat Bell was like six foot five, six foot six, oh man, he, man, let me tell you something. He would be like the prototypical three and D guy for real, because he could score, he could create his own shots. Like he he has a decent handle, but it's finishing at the basket. That's what gets Pat Bell. But um, Rondo, you know, I didn't. Once I saw um in the playoffs, you know, DNPs did not play. He's not gonna play. And I'm like, man, they need Rondo out there. And especially when it was playing against the Suns, I thought we was going to see more Rondo versus Paul action, but we did not. So I don't know. Mate, did I don't know if he ruffled anybody's feathers or what. Hey, maybe it just wasn't a perfect fit. But mm, I, I just knew that was going to work out for Rondo. And Rondo was going to eventually be the only person that can say, hey, um, yeah, so I won a championship with the Lakers and the Clippers and the Celtics. All right. But um, I like the Eric Bledsoe trade for the Clippers. Eric Bledsoe is a real good defender. And I think what it is, what the Clippers are thinking about, you know, you have a guy, you know, of course he's not Gary Payton. Um, Is he True Holiday on True Holiday's level? I, I don't know. I don't know. But what I do know is, is that whenever they go up against the Phoenix Suns, Guess what? You have Reggie Jackson in the backcourt, and you have Eric Bledsoe in the backcourt right there. All right, so are they going to outplay Chris Paul and Devin Booker? Not guaranteed. Most likely not. But guess what? They're going to be able to give them some action, okay? Like Chris Paul and Devin Booker will not be able to rest on defense going up against that backcourt, and not any other backcourt is going to have to rest. And um, and Eric Bledsoe, once again, he can score people. His four years with the Phoenix Suns, he averaged 16 points a game, 17 points a game, 20 points a game, and 21 points per game. So he can score. Okay, people? So it does not. That's what I'm saying. People think that, you know, you got to get out of the habit of thinking people are scrubs because they cannot shoot three-pointers. They don't shoot three-pointers like Steph Curry, you know, or Clay Thompson, or Ray Allen, or those guys, you know, or Dame Lillard. You know, the thing about it, people, you know, 
Check this out. Michael Jordan averaged like over 30 points a game without shooting a bunch of three-pointers. Goes to show you how bad of a man he was. You know? And here's the thing. A guy like Eric Bledsoe, when you're guarding him, see, here's the thing. He's six foot, about six feet tall, about 200, 200 205 pounds. He's solid, you know? He, the dude is built like a running back, for real. The thing about it is, when you're guarding a player like him, if he's shooting a three-pointer, oh, you, you will welcome that. Even if he was a real good three-point shooter. You know why? Because that decreases the probability of you getting into foul trouble. If he's driving to the basket constantly, going to the hole, all right, going in for two-pointers, that's going to increase your chance of getting in foul trouble. Because with a guy his size, he can absorb the contact. You know, he has no problem taking the contact. So that's why I think he's going to, he's going to be a real big playmaker for the, for the, um, for the Clippers. You know, I'm talking about him him and Reggie Jackson in the starting backcourt. I don't know if he's going to be starting or not. My guess is that he is. And this is his second stint with the Clippers. And I always felt that, you know what, I felt like the Clippers should not have traded him. I felt like they should have found out, they should have figured out a way to be able to retain Eric Bledsoe and, and acquire Chris Paul. I thought that would have been awesome. You know, but, hey, Bledsoe was blossoming, so I understand that. So, But um, I like the move. Um, as far as with Memphis, as far as that goes, um, you know, back in the day, they used to be called the Grindhouse. I don't know if they're still called the Grindhouse right now. I can see um, Pat Bev playing with John Morant. That will be pretty cool. I don't know if he's going to stay there. Come, I mean, I think Pat Bev is trying to compete for championships, but I think this Memphis Grizzly team is a real good team. But um, we'll see what happens with that. I don't expect Rajon Rondo to stay there. I mean, you Rondo, hey, man, you trying to get chips. You trying to get you a championship. So who knows? I don't know. Maybe we'll see Rondo back with the Lakers, right? Could that happen? Could we see Rajon Rondo and Russell Westbrook in the same backcourt? <laughs> I don't know. But who? what's another team Rondo could probably go to? Would he go back to the Celtics? I don't know. Um, or it might be a situation, hey, you know what? If he get released from the Grizzlies, he might come back. Well, I don't think he's going back to the Clippers. I have no idea what Rajon Rondo will be, will be playing, what team he'll be playing for. But I'm pretty sure he will be playing for a team if he's interested in coming back. Um, who would be a good fit? What's the team that's that's competing for a championship? Uh, 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 the Warriors? Uh, I don't know. Portland? Mm, maybe. I don't know. Man, man, I don't know. But we will see who will sign Rajon Rondo, okay? But I tell you what, we're going to close that out. That's the end of today's episode. Thank you all for tuning in. I greatly appreciate you taking the time out of your busy day. Student of the Game podcast. Peace out.